0: I've been the medical director of the r and for almost three years. I'm proud to say I'm the first medical director after 196 years of existence, which is something I'm I'm quite proud of and quite enjoy. I was a a doctor in London in the NHS, did quite a lot of A&E work, trained as a GP, thought my innate sense of adventure was not, suited to the NHS quite so much, so I went off to work for Save the Children in Africa in the um, 1980s, the Ethiopian Famine, stayed for almost two years, persuaded my wife who was a, a nurse to come out for the second year and she and I both worked on famine relief of children and humanitarian assistance and we had a great time living in a tent on a mountainside in Ethiopia for a year. We thought about whether that would be our life forever, and after um, a few visits by a certain hyena that came into our tent and our latrine, we thought, this is a long-term proposition. So so we came back home, and um, I ended up joining the Air Force initially for three years, and ended up staying for 28 years. So I started off being a doctor on air bases, looking after aircrew and ground crew and families. Ended up doing a lot of operational deployments. Uh, I think I counted up, I've been to Iraq five times in total, Afghanistan a couple of times, setting up deployed field hospitals. But one of my key areas has been the treatment of care of casualties on helicopters. And picking them up on helicopters and bringing them back to safety and improving their their medical status. We have this saying in military medicine about good medicine in bad places, and 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 we practice as good medicine as we can in very unpleasant places, in in the war zones, in humanitarian disaster zones and stuff like that and I thought that really is not that different to what we do in the RNLI because the heaving deck of an Atlantic 85 in the middle of the night is not a great place to try and practice medicine and there are many similarities actually with what we do and what we did in the military. So I think it's highly appropriate that an ex-military doctor is a medical director in the RNLI. Delighted to have had that opportunity for the last three years. Increasingly, in the last two years, I've been involved with working with the head of lifeboats, particularly in some of the rescues that we do of small boats in the channel, the increasing amount of self harm that our people come across and suicides and the number of body recoveries that we do in certain places in the UK. And I'm constantly surprised at how much societal trauma our people have to deal with. And I think it's really tough on them. So first of all, it was a lot about COVID and PPE and what was safe, how we could rescue people, whether it was safe on our people to rescue. Strangers, what was the infection risk? There was all that stuff. A lot of work needed to be done with looking at our medical fitness standards, introducing more first aid training, and really look at how good we are at delivering medical care on boats, which no one had really asked properly or scientifically before. And one of the things I've been trying to do is bring in things like defibrillators onto lifeboats, which is slowly happening now. And then later on, it got more operational in a way with the um, emergence of all the rescue work that we were doing in the channel. So working very closely with uh, the head of lifeboats in how to um, rescue large numbers of people safely. It's teaching our crews how to deal with what they face. So there are people who'd been at sea for hours they were suffering from hypothermia, from dehydration. And one of the things that people perhaps don't know is that children on these boats are often in the middle of the boat and they're swimming in seawater and diesel. And that combination of seawater and diesel is extremely toxic to children's skin and it can produce second-degree burns. And we have to teach our people how to deal with children who have had second degree burns, which is pretty horrifying really. And of course the building resilience in our crews, they were coming across some really distressing stuff. We're putting in more and more uh, training on how to do active listening, how to debrief people after a, a difficult shout and also one of my key areas is how do we look after people who have really suffered who've had a cumulative exposure to a lot of distressing incidents whatever it is be it body recovery or or self-harm or um people in the channel and how to treat people with severe post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress disorder has been my focus quite recently so it's quite a busy job as a part-timer, it's quite a busy job, there's a lot going on. We are working quite a lot with external agencies because we're not unique in the challenges we face. A lot of emergency services like the fire service face similar things, so we've been working with um, several external agencies, the Samaritans being one, um, Lifeline Scotland being another, I'm working increasingly with the NHS mental health medical directors in London, working with the rail industry quite recently, and also uh, military veterans' charities like Help for Heroes and the RAF Association. And I think we're getting a good picture of what welfare and mental health is available out there, and what we are targeting is hopefully to get a a spectrum of help for our people, which encompasses some of the best of what other people offer. We look after them quite well, but I think we can improve, particularly supporting their mental health, but also how do we deliver the best casualty care we can, given the limited resources and the limited training, and the fact that everyone's a volunteer and not trained medical people. So balancing all that, I think, is, will keep me busy for the future. And I think it's important that we get this right. Hello, I'm Tom McGuire from Lockery Lifeboat Station. You've been listening to part of the RNLI's 200 Voices Collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org forward slash 200 voices or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. 200 Voices is produced for the RNLI by Adventurous Audio Limited.